irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to L.A. Talk Radio. You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. You are now entering the Sapphire Planet. You are now in the Sapphire Planet. The second voyage of HMS Beagle was from December 27th, 1831 to October 2nd, 1836 approximately five years, and was the second survey expedition of the HMS Beagle under Captain Roy Fitzroy. Fitzroy had asked a young gentleman to accompany him on this voyage. That gentleman was Charles Darwin. Many discoveries were made during that survey and Darwin changed the course of history. We now pick up the story after the Beagle has reached Montevideo on July 26, 1832. Darwin took observations for the chronometers. An attempt to call Buenos Aires for information was thwarted by officials. Then Captain Fitzroy agreed a request for ship's crew and Darwin to briefly occupy a Montevideo fort to dispel a revolution. On August 22nd, after taking soundings in Samborombondon Bay, the Beagle began survey work down the coast from Cape San Antonio. At Bahia Blanca, in the southern part of present Buenos Aires province. Darwin rode inland into Patagonia with gauchos. He saw them use bolas to bring down ostriches, or rias, as they are locally known, and ate roast armadillo. With Fitzroy, he went for a very pleasant cruise about the bay. On September 22nd, and about 10 miles or 16 kilometers from the ship, 
They stopped for a while at Punta Alta. In low cliffs near the point, Darwin found conglomerate rocks containing numerous shells and fossilized teeth and bones of gigantic extinct mammals. In strata near an earth layer with shells and armadillo fossils, suggesting to him quiet tidal deposits rather than catastrophe. With assistance, possibly including the young sailor Sims Covington acting as his servant, Darwin collected numerous fossils over several days. Much of the second day was taken up with excavating a large skull which Darwin found embedded in soft rock, and seemed to him to be allied with the rhinoceros. On October 8th, he returned to the site and found a jawbone and tooth, which he was able to identify using Borde Savant's Dictionnaire Classique. He wrote home describing this and the large skull as megatherium fossils, or perhaps megalonics, and excitedly noted that the only specimens in Europe were locked away in the king's collection at Madrid. In the same layer, he found a large surface of polygonal plates of bony armor. His immediate thought was that they came from an enormous armadillo, like the small creatures common in the area, but from Cuvier's misleading description of the Madrid specimen, and a recent newspaper report about a fossil found by Woodbine Parish, Darwin thought that the bony armor identified the fossil as the megatherium. With Captain Fitzroy, Darwin went about 30 miles or 48 kilometers across the bay to Mont Hermoso on October 19th and found numerous fossils of smaller rodents in contrast to the huge indental mammals of Punta Alta. In November at Buenos Aires, he purchased fragments of some enormous bones, which he was assumed belonged to the former giants, and subsequently took any chance to get fossils by gold or galloping. At Montevideo in November, the mail from home included a copy of the second volume of Charles Lyell's Principles of Geology, a refutation of Lamarckianism in which there was no shared ancestry of different species or overall progress to match the gradual geological change, but a continuing cycle in which species mysteriously appeared, closely adapted to their centers of creation, then went extinct when the environment changed to their disadvantage. Darwin and the Beagle reached Terra de Fuego on December 18, 1832, they're now a year into their voyage. Darn was taken back by what he perceived as the crude savagery of the Yagan natives, in stark contrast to the civilized behavior of the three Fuegians they were returning as missionaries, who, by the way, had been given the names 
York Minister, Fujia Basket, and Jemmy Button. He described his first meeting with the native Fujians as being, without exception, the most curious and interesting spectacle I have ever beheld. I could not believe how wide was the difference between savage and civilized man. It is greater than between a wild and domesticated animal, insomuch as a man there is a great power of improvement. In contrast, he said of Jemmy, that it seems yet wonderful to me when I think overall his many good qualities, that he should have been of the same race and doubtless partaken of the same character with the miserable, degraded savages whom we first met here. Four decades later, Darwin had recalled these impressions in The Descent of Man to support his argument that just as humans had descended from lower form, civilized societies had arisen by graduations from a more primitive state to a more civilized state. He recalled how closely the Fujians on board the Beagle, the three returning missionaries, resembled us in disposition. On the island of Button's Land, on January 23, 1833, they set up a mission post with huts, gardens, furniture, and crockery. But when they returned nine days later, the possessions had been looted and divided up equally by the natives. Matthews gave up, rejoining the ship and leaving the three civilized Fujians to continue the missionary work. Matthews, as you recall, was the missionary who was going to stay with the Fujians for the rest of his life and bring the word of Christ to them. But that didn't work out. With Matthews back on the boat, the three missionary Fujians back on their island, the Beagle went to the Falkland Islands, arriving just after the British return. Darwin studied the relationship of species to habits, habitats and found ancient fossils like those he had found in Wales. Captain Fitzroy brought a schooner to assist with the surveying and they returned to Patagonia where this was fitted with a new copper bottom and renamed Adventure. Darwin once again was assisted by Sims Covington in preserving specimens in his collection, was so successful that Captain Fitzroy agreed agreement he took on Covington as a full-time servant for 30 pounds a year. The two ships sailed to the Rio Negro in Argentina, and on August 8, 1833, Darwin left on another journey inland with the Gauchos. On August 12th, he met General Juan Manuel de Rosas, who was then leading a punitive expedition against native Indians and obtained a passport from him. And as they crossed the Pampas, the Gauchos and Indians told Darwin of a rare smaller species of ostrich or rhea 
After three days at Bahia Blanca, he grew tired of waiting for the Beagle and on August 21st, revisited Punta Alta, where he reviewed the geology of the site in light of his new knowledge, wondering if the bones were older than the seashells. He was very successful with searching for bones and on September 1st, found a near-complete skeleton with its bones still in position. He set off a month later and on October 1st, searching the cliffs of the Carnaras River, found an enormous gnawing tooth. Then in a cliff on the Parana River, saw two great groups of immense bones, which were too soft to collect, but a tooth fragment, and identified them as mastodons. Illness delayed Darwin at Santa Fe, and after seeing the fossilized casing of a huge armadillo embedded in rock, he was puzzled to find a horse tooth in the same rock layer. Since horses had been introduced to the continent with European migration, they took a riverboat down to the Piranha River to Buenos Aires, but became entangled in a revolution as rebels allied to Rosas's blockaded the city. The passport Rosas's had given him helped, and with Covington, he managed to escape in a boatload of refugees, sparing his life. They rejoined the Beagle in Montevideo, Deo. As surveys were still in progress, Darwin sent off another 400 miles or 600 kilometers galloping trip in Banda Oriental to see the Uruguayan River and visit the Estacia of Mr. Keen near Mercedes on Rio Negro. On November 25th, he heard of some giant bones which, as usual, turned out to be those of Megatherium, but could only extract a few broken fragments. Then on the next day, he visited a nearby house and bought for about two shillings a head of Megatherium, which must have been when he found quite perfect, though the teeth had since been broken and the lower jaw had been lost. Mr. Keene arranged to have the ship, the skull down the river to Buenos Aires. At Las Piedras, a clergyman left to see fossils, including a club-like tail, which he sketched and called an extraordinary weapon. His notes include a page showing his realization that the cliff banks of the rivers exposed two strata formed in an estuary interrupted by an understeed stratum, indicated that the land had risen and fallen. Back at Montevideo, Darwin was introduced to Conrad Martins, the replacement artist brought on board the Beagle after Augustus Earl had to leave due to health problems. So now they have a new artist on the Beagle. They sailed south, putting in at Port Desire on December 23rd, and the following day Darwin 
shot a guanaco, which provided them with a Christmas meal. Early in the new year, Martins shot an ostrich, or Ria as it's called, which they enjoyed eating before Dalaran realized that this was the elusive smaller Ria preserved in the remains. Oh boy. On January 9th, 1834, 110 miles or 180 kilometers further south, they reached Port St. Julian and exploring the local geology in cliffs near the harbor. Darwin found fossils of pieces of spine and hind legs of some large animal. I think it's a mastodon. On January 26th, they entered the Straits of Magellan and at St. Gregory's Bay, they met half-civilized Patagonian giants. Over six feet or 1.8 meters tall, described by Darwin as excellent practical naturalists. One told him that these smaller rias, the one that he ate, were the only species this far south, while the larger rias kept to the north, the species meeting around the Rio Negro. After further surveying in Terra del Fuego, they returned on March 5, 1834, to visit the missionaries, but found the huts deserted. Then canoes approached, and they found that one of the natives was none other than Gemini Button, who had lost his possessions and had settled into the native ways, taking a wife. Gemini, if you remember, was one of the Fujians that was captured taken back to England, taught English, and then brought back to the Fujian island so that he could uh, be a missionary. Darwin says he had never seen so complete and grievous a change. Gemini came on board and dined using his cutlery properly, speaking English as well as ever, and assured them that he had not the least wish to return to England and was happy and contented, leaving them gifts of otter skins and arrowheads before returning to the canoe to join his wife. Of the first visit, Darwin had written that, Viewing such men, one can hardly make oneself believe that they are fellow creatures placed in the same world. It is a common subject of conjecture what pleasure in life some of the less gifted animals can enjoy, how much more reasonably it may have been asked with respect to these men. Yet Gemini had readily adapted to civilization and then chosen to return to his primitive ways. This raised awkward questions in its day. It jarred with Charles Lyell's sheltered views expressed in volume two of his Principles of Geology that human races showed only a slight deviation from common standard. And the acceptance of transmutation meant renouncing man's belief in the high genealogy of his species. About this time, Darwin wrote Reflections on Reading My Geological Notes. 
the first of a series of essays included in his notes. He speculated on possible causes of the land repeatedly being raised and on a history of life in Patagonia as a sequence of named species. They returned to the Falkland Islands on March 16th, just after an incident where gauchos and Indians had butchered senior members of Ernat's settlement and helped to put down a revolt. Darwin noted the immense number of organisms dependent on the kelp forests out in the ocean. He received word from Henslow that his first dispatch of specimens had reached Cambridge, with the South American fossils being prized by the expert William Clift as showing unknown species and features of the megatherium and displayed by William Buckland and Clift before the cream of British science, making Darwin's reputation. The Beagle now sailed to southern Patagonia, and on April 19th, an expedition including Captain Fitzroy and Darwin set off to take boats as far as possible up the Santa Cruz River, with all involved taking turns in teams dragging the boats upstream. The river cut through a series of rises, then plateaus forming wide plains covered with shells and shingle, and Darwin discussed with Fitzroy his interpretation that these terraces had been shores that had gradually raised in accordance with Lyell's theories. Several of the smaller rias were seen in the distance, but were too elusive to catch. The expedition approached the Andes, but had to turn back. Darwin summarized his speculations in his essay on the elevation of Patagonia. Though tentative, it challenged Lyell's ideas. Darwin drew on measurements by the Beagle's officers, as well as his own measurements, to propose that the plains had been raised in successive stages by forces acting over a wide area, rather than smaller scale actions in continuous movement. However, he supported Lyle in finding evidence to dismiss a sudden deluge when normal processes were suddenly speeded up. Seashells he had found far inland, still showing their color, suggested to him that the process had been relatively recent and could have affected human history. We now go towards the west coast of South America. The Beagle and the Adventurer now surveyed the Straits of Magellan before sailing north round up the west coast, reaching the island of Chilio in the wet and heavily wooded Chonos on June 28, 1834. They spent the next six months surveying this archipelago, the coast and islands southwards. In Chileo, Darwin found fragments of black lignite and petrified wood, at least two of which the British Geological Survey discovered in 2011 
locked away in their collection labeled Unregistered Fossil Plants. Exchanged with Joseph Dalton Hooker about 10 years later, one slide was signed Chiloe C. Darwin Esquire. How about that? They arrived at Valparaiso on July 23rd. After several walks in the area, Darwin obtained horses and on August 14th set up off the volcanic Andes with a companion. Three days later, they spent an enjoyable day on the summit of Bell Mountain. Darwin visited a copper mine and spent five days scrambling in the mountains before going to Santiago, Chile. On his way back, Darwin fell ill on September 20th and had to spend a month in bed. It is possible that Darwin contracted Chagas disease here, leading to his health problems after his return to England, but this diagnosis of symptoms is disputed. He learned that the Admiralty had reprimanded Captain Fitzroy for buying the ship the Adventurer. Fitzroy had taken it badly selling the ship and announcing they would go back to recheck his survey, then had resigned his command, doubting his sanity, but was persuaded by his officers to withdraw his resignation and proceed. The second artist, Conrad Mertens, left the ship and took passage to Australia. After waiting for Darwin, The Beagle sailed on November 11th to survey the Chonos Archipelago. From here, they saw eruption of the volcano Osorno in the Andes. They sailed north, and Darwin wondered about the fossils he had found. The giant mastodons and megatheriums were extinct, but he had found no geological signs of the Devulial debacle or of the changed circumstances that, in Lyle's view, led to the species no longer being adapted to the positions they were created to be fit. He agreed with Lyle's idea that the gradual birth and death of species, but, unlike Lyle, Darwin was willing to believe Giovanni Battista Barocci's idea that extinct species had somehow aged and died out. They arrived at the port of Aldivia on February 8, 1835. Then 12 days later, Darwin was on shore when it experienced a severe earthquake and returned to find the port town badly damaged. They sailed 200 miles or 320 kilometers north to Concepcion and arrived on March 4th to find that the same earthquake had devastated the city by repeated shocks and a tidal wave, with even the Catholic cathedral in ruins. Darwin noted the horrors of death and destruction, and Captain Fitzroy carefully established that muscle beds were now high above the tide line, giving clear evidence of the ground rising some nine feet or three meters which he confirmed a month later. They had actually experienced the gradual process of the continent emerging from the ocean, as Lyle had indicated. 
Back in Valparaiso, Darwin set out on another trek up the Andes and on March 21st reached the Continental Divide at 13,000 feet or 4,000 meters. Even here he found fossil seashells in the rocks. He felt the glorious view was like watching a thunderstorm or hearing the full orchestra, a chorus of the Messiah. After going on to Mendoza, they were returning by a different pass when they found petrified forest of fossilized trees, crystallized in a sandstone encampment, showing him that they had been on a Pacific beach when the land sank, burying them in sand, which had been compressed into rock, then had gradually been raised, with the continent to stand at 7,000 feet or 2,100 meters. On returning to Valprazio, with half a mule's load of specimens, he wrote to his father that his findings, if accepted, would be crucial to the theory of the formation of the world. After another growing expedition in the Andes, while the Beagle was being retrofitted, he rejoined it, and it sailed to Lima, but found an armed surrection in progress and had to stay with the ship. Here he was writing up his notes when he realized that Lyle's idea that coral atolls were on the rims of existing extinct volcanoes made less sense than the volcanoes gradually sinking so that the coral reefs around the island kept building themselves close to sea level and became an atoll as the volcano disappeared below. This was a theory he would examine when they reached such islands. Now we head to the Galapagos Islands. A week out of Lima, the Beagle reached the Galapagos Islands on September 15, 1835, nearly four years since they set sail from England. The next day, Captain Fitzroy dropped anchor near the site of the modern town of Puerta Bacarazio Moreno on Chatham Island. At the location that is now known as Frigidebird Hill, Darwin spent his first hour on shore in the Galapagos Island. Darwin eagerly looked forward to seeing newly formed volcanic islands and took every opportunity to go ashore while the Beagle was methodically moved around to chart the coast. He found broken black rock volcanic lava scorching under the hot sun and made detailed geological notes of features including volcanic cones like chimneys which reminded him of the iron foundries of industrial Staffordshire. He was disappointed that he did not see active volcanoes or find strata showing uplift as he had hoped, though one of the officers found broken oyster shells high above the sea on one of the islands. Abundant giant Galapagos tortoises appeared to him and large black marine iguanas seemed most disgusting clumsy lizards. Well suited to their habitat, he noted that some had called them imps of darkness. 
Darwin had learned from Henslow about studying the geographical distribution of species, and particularly of linked species on ocean islands and nearby continents. So, he endeavored to collect plants in flowers. He found widespread, wretched-looking, thin scrub thickets of only ten species and very few insects. Birds were remarkably unafraid of humans, and in his first field note he recorded that a mockingbird was similar to those he had seen on the continent. The Beagle sailed on to Charles Island. By chance they were greeted by Englishman Nicholas Lawson, acting governor of the Galapagos for the Republic of the Equator, who accompanied them up to the penal colony. It was said that the tortoises differed in the shape of the shells from island to island, and Darwin noted Lawson's statement that in seeing a tortoise, he could pronounce with certainty from which island it had been brought. Though Darwin remembered this later, he did not pay much attention at the time. However, he found a mockingbird and fortunately happened to observe that it differed from Chatham Island specimens. So then, on careful noted where mockingbirds had been caught, he industrially collected all the animals, plants, insects, and reptiles, and speculated about finding from future comparisons to what district or center of creation the organized beings of the archipelago must be attached. At this stage, his thoughts reflected Lyle's rejection of transmutation of species. They then went on to Albemarle Island, where Darwin saw a small jet of smoke from a recently active volcano. On October 1st, he landed near Tagus Cove and explored Beagle Crater. There he saw his first Galapagos land iguanas. Water pits were disappointingly inadequate for drinking, but attracted swarms of small birds, and Darwin made his only note of the finches he was not bothering to label by hand. He caught a third species of mockingbird. After passing the northern islands of Abidang, Tower, and Bindlo, Darwin was put ashore at James Island for nine days together with surgeon Benjamin Benoit and their servants as they physically collected all sorts of specimens while the beagle went back to Chatham Island for fresh water. After further surveying, the beagle set sail for Tahiti on October 20th, 1835. Darwin wrote up his notes and to his astonishment found that all the mockingbirds caught on Charles, Albemarle, James, and Chathman Islands differed from island to island. He wrote, The birds which were so closely allied to the Thenka of Chile is singular from existence as variations or distinct species in different islands. I have four specimens from as many islands. These will be found in two or three variety, 
each variety is consistent with its own island. Now, they're back on the Beagle. They sailed on, dining on Galapagos tortoise, and passed the atoll of Honan Island on November 9th. They passed through the Low Islands archipelago, with Darwin remarking that they had a very uninteresting appearance. Long, brilliantly white beach is capped by low, bright line of green vegetation. Arriving at Tahiti on November 15th, he soon found interest in luxuriant vegetation and the pleasant, intelligent natives who showed the benefits of Christianity, refuting allegations that he had read about tyrannical missionaries overturning indigenous cultures. On December 19th, they reached New Zealand, where Darwin thought the tattooed Maori to be savages with characters of a much lower order than the Tahitians. And he noted that their homes were filthy, dirty, and offensive. He saw missionaries bringing improvements in character, as well as new farming practices with exemplary English farm-employing natives. Richard Matthews was left here. Remember, he was the first missionary brought for the Fugians, but he left in disgust when he could not help them. With his older brother, Joseph Matthews, who was a missionary at Kataiowa. Darwin and Captain Fitzroy were agreed that the missionaries had been unfairly misrepresented in tracts, particularly one written by artist Augustus Earl, which he had left on the ship. Darwin also noted many English residents of the most worthless character, including runaway convicts from New South Wales. By December 30th, Darwin was glad to leave New Zealand. The first sight of Australia on January 12, 1836, reminded him of Patagonia, but Inland, the country improved, and he was soon filled with admiration of the bustling city of Sydney. On a journey into the interior, he came across a group of aborigines who looked good-humored and pleasant, and they appeared far from such utterly degraded beings as usually represented in tracts. They gave... Darwin a display of spear-throwing for a shilling, and he reflected sadly on how their numbers were rapidly decreasing. At a large sheep farm, Darwin joined a hunting party and caught his first marsupial, a potoroo, or commonly known as a rat kangaroo. Reflecting on the strange animals of the country, he thought that an unbeliever might exclaim, surely two distinct creators must have been at work. Their object, however, had been the same, and certainly in the end, in each case, is complete. 
Yet an antilion he was watching was very similar to its European counterpart. That evening he saw even a stranger platypus and noticed that its bill was soft, unlike the preserved specimen he had seen. Aboriginal stories that they laid eggs were believed by very few Europeans. But it was true. The Beagle visited Hobart, Tasmania, where Darwin was impressed by the agreeable high society of the settlers, but noted that the island's aboriginals were removed and kept in a promontory in the neck of the island. Captain Fitzroy instructions from the Admiralty required a detailed geological survey of circular coral atolls to investigate how coral reefs form, particularly whether they rose from the bottom of the sea or from the summits of extinct volcanoes, and the effect of tides measured with specifically constructed gauges. He found the Keeling Islands in the Indian Ocean and on arrival on April 1st, the entire crew set to work. Darwin found a coconut economy, serving both the small settlement and wildlife. There was a limited range of native plants and no land birds, but hermit crabs everywhere. The lagoon teemed with a rich variety of invertebrates, and fish and he examined the atoll's structure in view of the theory he had developed in Lima, Peru, of encircling reefs becoming atolls as an island sank. This idea was supported by numerous, numerous soundings Captain Fitzroy had taken, showing a steep slope outside the reef with no living corals below 20 to 30 fathoms or 10 to 15 meters. Arriving at Mariatis on April 29, 1836, Darwin was impressed by the civilized prosperity of the French colony, which had come under British rule. He toured the island examining its volcanic mountains and fringing coral reefs. The Surveyor General, Captain Lloyd, took him on the only elephant on the island to see an elevated coral plain. By then, Captain Fitzroy was writing the official narrative of the Beagle Voyages, and after reading Darwin's diary, he proposed incorporating it into his account, a suggestion Darwin discussed with his family. The Beagle now reached the Cape of Good Hope on May 31st. In Cape Town, Darwin received a letter dated... December 29th from his sister Caroline telling him that his fame was spreading. On November 18, 1835, Sedwick had read extracts from Darwin's geological notes to the Geological Society of London, and this had been reported in the Anthem on November 21st. On December 25th, 
their father received a letter from Henslow which said that Darwin would become one of the most premier naturalists of their time and enclosed some copies of a book of extracts of Darwin's letters on South American geology, which had been printed for private distribution. Their father did not move from his seat till he read every word of your book, and he was very much gratified. He liked so much the simple, clear way you gave your information. Darwin was horrified that his careless words were in print. But, no hay remedio. It cannot be helped. He explored the geology of the area, reaching conclusions about the slate formation and the injection of granite seams as liquid, which differed from the ideas of Lyle and Sedwick. The zoologist Andrew Smith showed him formations and later discussed the large animals living on a sparse vegetation, showing that lack of luxuriant vegetation did not explain the extinction of the giant creatures of South America. Around June 15th, Darwin and Fitzroy visited the noted astronomer Sir John Herschel. In his diary, Darwin called this the most memorable event for which, for a long period, I've had the good fortune to enjoy. His zeal for science had been stirred at Cambridge by reading Herschel's books on philosophy of science, which guided his theorizing during the voyage. Their discussion is not recorded, but a few months earlier on February 20, 1836, Herschel had written to Lyle praising his Principles of Geology as a work which must bring a complete revolution in its subjects by altering entirely the point of view in which it must be thenceforward be contemplated and opening a way for bold speculation on that a mystery of mysteries, the replacement of extinct species by others. Herschel himself thought that catastrophic extinction and renewal an inadequate conception of the Creator, and by analogy with other intermediate causes, the origination of fresh species, could it ever come under our cognizance, would be found to be a natural in contradiction to a miraculous process. In Cape Town, missionaries were being accused of causing racial tension and profiteering after the Beagle set to sea on June 18th. Captain Fitzroy wrote an open letter to the Evangelical South African Christian Recorder on the moral state of Tahiti incorporating extracts from both his and Darwin's diaries to defend the reputation of the missionaries. This was given to a passing ship which took it to Cape Town to become Fitzroy's and Darwin's first public works. Finally, Upon his return back to England, Darwin was quick to take to his coach home after five years, arriving late at night on October 4, 1836, at Mount House, the family home in Shrewsbury. 
Darwin reportedly headed straight to bed and greeted his family at breakfast. After 10 days of catching up with the family, he went on to Cambridge and sought Henslow's advice on organizing the description and cataloging of his collections. Darwin's father gave him an allowance that enabled him to put aside other careers and as a scientific celebrity with a reputation established by his fossils and Henslow's publication of his letters on South American geology. Darwin toured London Society's institution. By this time, he was part of the scientific establishment, collaborating with expert naturalists, naturalists to describe his specimens and working on ideas that had been developing during the voyage of the Beagle. Your journey is now ending. You are now leaving the Sapphire Planet. Goodbye from the Sapphire Planet.